So there's a story in the Old Testament Bible where uh, Moses is out in the wilderness, out in the desert, and he uh, is met by God there. God meets Moses and he tells Moses, hey, go back into Egypt, go into the city, and I want you to deliver a message to my people who are there in captivity. And Moses says, uh, yeah, sure, okay, but when I get there, who, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them, I am sent you. I am. And then in the Gospel of John in the New Testament, Jesus seven times uses the phrase, I am, to connect his work to what God is doing in the world. And so over the next few weeks, as we make our way to Easter, to the cross, to Jesus' death and resurrection, we're going to ask, what does it mean for Jesus to be I am? What does it mean for Jesus uh, to, uh, to be God in the flesh? What does it look like for us to follow him as he reveals himself as I am? And today we're going to start with the first of those seven statements in John chapter 6, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And Jesus is really speaking my language here because I love bread and food. Food in general, I love food. Um, but and I'm really, apologies to anybody who's gluten intolerant. Bread is amazing. I mean, bread is just good. And, uh, and Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I provide, I satisfy, I am good. And, and the truth is, faith is a lot like eating. We need to eat every day to nourish our bodies. And we need belief and faith in practice every day. We need to daily follow Jesus. It's not something we did once and we put aside. We need to do it daily to follow him, that he is our bread of life every single day. I think what we'll find is that Jesus satisfies like nothing else because he is like no one else. Because if Jesus truly is, I am. If Jesus is truly God, then everything else would be less and weak and insufficient and unsatisfying by comparison. So let's see in the scriptures what, about Jesus as the bread of life. Let's jump uh, to John chapter 6, verse 28. You can use pew Bibles in front of you. It'll be on the screen or your own Bibles or devices. But uh, they asked him, these being some of the disciples of Jesus who were gathered around, what must we do to do the work that God requires? Verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So pause there. Uh, many of us have had a situation where we've entered into uh, a new job or a new school maybe or a new situation or we've had a new boss or we've had someone enter our team for the first time. And so we've all had some version of like prove yourself, right? Whether we've had to prove ourselves or expected someone else to do something to prove themselves. And this is just a very biblical way of saying, Jesus, if you truly can provide for us, if you truly satisfy, prove it. And in fact, these Jewish people had a story in mind when they thought about how Jesus could prove himself. And they, they, they pulled from Exodus chapter 16, where it says this, The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. So the Israelite people were out in the desert. They would have starved to death. There was nothing to eat, but God rained down bread from heaven. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. 
In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. On the sixth day, they would gather for two days, so that on the seventh day, the Sabbath, they would not work. But God provided bread for them. He provided nourishment for them when they would have otherwise starved from not having anything to eat. So I don't know if you saw in the news this past week, but I was fascinated. Major League Baseball announced that they were delaying the start of the season because of, I was told I was incorrect in the first service, not a strike, but a lockout. Very important difference. Lockout, the owners have locked out the players and the season is now delayed. And so in light of players not being able to play baseball, I thought it pretty funny. Uh, Joey Gallo, who's a star outfielder for the Yankees, posted a LinkedIn profile uh, where he was looking for work, I uh, thought it was pretty great. And, you know, it's, it's meant to be a lighthearted jab where at whether or not he believes that MLB can actually, like, provide, whether they can be trusted to figure this out and to satisfy his need for employment and an income. And God's people were called to trust that he would provide for them, that he would satisfy their everyday needs. But the difference is God's track record is just a little bit better better than Major League Baseball's, right? In fact, they had this story, this story of God providing in the wilderness that he would not leave them hanging, that he would provide for them. And that's what they say. They say basically, uh, you know, Jesus, you provided bread for us once. So Jesus had already fed the 5,000. Right before this in the text, he had fed the 5,000. Jesus, you have provided bread once, but Moses He provided bread every single day. Jesus, what are you going to do for us every single day? Can you provide for us like Moses did? Well, here's what Jesus says in verse 32. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, stop there. I've told you before that one of the things I've given up for Lent in the past is buying consumer items for myself. So starting from Ash Wednesday all the way through Easter, I would not purchase anything for myself um, that was a consumer item. And if you know me, you know that's a terribly difficult thing for me to do. And, uh, and I'm, I'm doing it again this Lent. So starting this past Ash Wednesday, and then yesterday, Saturday, I was on my phone, I was scrolling social media, and an ad for something came up, and I thought, oh, oh no. And not only that, but it was like, what if, what if it's like a limited run? What if in April it's not there anymore? I, I, I bet I could. I bet like one thing, right? Like one thing could, would be just fine. Like I was trying to convince myself, well, it's okay. I mean, Lent just started four days ago, but it's okay if I go ahead and break, break my commitment, right? And the truth is, uh, it's never enough, right? It's never enough. The answer is always more when we put pressure on things to satisfy us that will ultimately let us down because they cannot satisfy us, the answer is always more because we need the next thing, we need more of it. And that's what Jesus is revealing in this story because 
most of us, or likely all of us, if you're here in the sanctuary, you probably aren't wondering where your next meal is going to come from. But we all have experience putting hope in the wrong things to satisfy us. We all have experience putting hope in the wrong things, right? Whether it's a relationship or marriages or a new exercise routine or a hobby or careers or achievements or trophies or or accumulation or buying stuff, right? Like we all have experience putting our hope in things that won't satisfy us. Pastor John Mark Homer said that our deepest desires usually to become people of goodness and love, are often sabotaged sabotaged by the stronger surface-level desires of our flesh. He's saying that we long for the deeper things, the more important things, and yet we keep getting caught like with our hand in the cookie jar, reaching for the shallow things, the easy things, the cheap things. And so those who were gathered around Jesus, some of them just wanted him to provide bread daily, to like daily fill their bellies. But others, they wanted him to be this political Messiah that ran out the Romans and that took over and reestablished this Jewish kingdom. They wanted him to provide for their daily political and social reality. But then there are others in the crowd who they just wanted him to keep performing miracles, right? Like if there was tangible evidence all the time that he's right, this is the right path, then maybe every day I can say yes to following him because I have this really clear, tangible evidence. But Jesus actually sees through all of the things that the crowd is clamoring for, right? Because what they're not asking is where's our next meal going to come from? What they're asking is where does lasting hope come from? Where does our hope come from? How can we have hope daily? And the crowd wants a miracle. And Jesus says, I am the miracle. I am the miracle. What he's saying is, what you're truly hungry for is me. That Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to daily satisfy his people to provide daily bread for them. What they're truly hungry for is Jesus. And it's a miracle. It's a miracle that we could find salvation in such a world full of destruction and hatred and violence and failure and hopelessness. And it's a miracle that we might find satisfaction in a world that's designed to make us unsatisfied, designed to make us restless. Again, John Mark Comer said, ultimately nothing in this life apart from God can satisfy our desires. Tragically, we continue to chase after our desires ad infinitum. The result is a chronic state of restlessness or worse, see if any of this sounds familiar, angst, anger, anxiety, disillusionment, depression. All of which leads to a life of hurry, a life of busyness, Overload, shopping, materialism, careerism, a life of more, which in turn makes us even more restless. And the cycle spirals out of control. What does it look like to be satisfied in Jesus? Where the promise of satisfaction is always one click, one purchase, one promotion, one raise, one vacation away. What does it look like for us to be satisfied in Jesus? So I want you to do something. I want you to name, maybe not out loud, but name something that you expect to satisfy that never actually does. 
What's one thing that you expect to satisfy that never does? Let's just take its power away. Let's just name what it is and name that it's weak and it does not measure up to Jesus. I'll, I'll go first. I already told you about shopping. I won't do that again. Um, on a regular basis at work, just like in most of your uh, workplaces and homes and schools, we have to make hard decisions. Hard decisions, big decisions. And sometimes we make like a hard decision or a big decision and I feel really good about it. I'm like, yeah, we did a, we did a good job there. And then, you know, like an hour later or the next day or the next week, another one comes along. The nerve. And what I realize is that I'm expecting like, we get to this moment, we have this hard decision to make, this big decision, we make it, it goes really well, and it's like, yes, but it doesn't ultimately satisfy, right? And if I can just name that I, it's okay for me to enjoy doing good at my job, but to not expect it to ultimately satisfy me, that's what I need to name that doesn't have power over me. And that way, good days and bad, I can go, my job is not enough, Jesus is enough, Jesus is the bread of life, Jesus truly satisfies. One of my fondest memories I have of childhood is that uh, <laughs> I loved the lunchroom bread at school. And I don't even know, like, I mean, some, some kids in the room were like, you like the lunchroom food? Um, but I did. I loved, I thought, like, the, the loaf bread, like the Italian bread at school was, like, the best thing on the planet. And, um, and occasionally, my mom would work with, like, the lunchroom manager to get, like, extra loaves of bread, like, bagged up and sent home because um, I liked it that much. And, uh, and, and that can only happen in a small town, right? It can only happen in a really small town. Um, and I just, I remember it. It was so wonderful because I got to have like the lunchroom bread at, at home. Uh, <laughs> but it was, like, it was like exclusive bread, you know? It's like bread you can only get from one place. There's only one source. There's nothing else like this bread, right? Jesus satisfies like nothing else because he is like no one else. If he is I am, if Jesus is God, then he gives us exclusive access to something that we cannot find anywhere else. Only in him. And he freely gives it. And it never runs out. Amen? Hey, I'm going to invite the band to come up as we move towards transition. And um, Jody Fino is going to provide communion for us one last time here at CPC as a pastor on our staff. And, um, you know, I, I can't help but think, as, as Jody serves as communion one more time, how many people that she has served communion to at the end of their journey as they transition into heaven. And that the last thing that they tasted in this life was the bread and the juice that Jody served them. And so, what a holy picture of what we have to offer the world. Like, here is Jesus. He's enough. Here is Jesus. He is enough. Here is the bread of life. It satisfies. It is enough. Let us take this next song to prepare our hearts for communion.